Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a program all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. Owning and operating a family business, such as a small craft brewery, takes a lot of effort and especially a lot of cooperation. Balancing all parts of family life along with brewery management can be very challenging, but also very rewarding. Today, West Virginia Beer Road's co-host, Aaron McCoy, has an interview that jumps right into the heart of the topic. So, Aaron, I'm turning the program controls over to you. I'm really excited about our podcast today. As our listeners know, uh, we generally focus on interviewing brewers from West Virginia breweries, but today we're going to get to talk to partners of two West Virginia brewers and discuss their roles from their perspective. So I'm excited to introduce um, our first guest is Aaron Fonda, the co-owner of Weatherground Brewery with Sam Fonda, Director of Brewing Operations. Welcome, Aaron. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to it. Great. And our second guest today is Jana Wolf, co-owner of High Ground Brewing with Dallas Wolf, Director of Brewing Operations. So welcome, Jana. Thank you so much, Aaron and Aaron. It's wonderful to, <laughs> to be with you girls this evening. Double errands today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, running a brewery in general is a big group effort, um, as we all know. And whether you're a brewer, owner, partner of the brewer, or just a brewery employee, um, it, you know, it, it, it takes a, a group. And I, that's what I want to get into tonight and how that affects each of you on your po- or on the podcast today. So let's start at the beginning in terms of joining the brewery industry. Um, Aaron, I, I would like to start with you. How did you and Sam come together to decide that you were going to open a brewery in Cool Ridge, West Virginia? Well, probably, I guess it starts back. Um, and it's funny, I'm sure somewhere along the lines on one of our podcasts with you and Charles in the past. And um, we kind of had talked about where we lived in Charlotte when the idea, the fruition came to us that um, I was working as a full-time attorney. Then Sam was working in the brewing industry in the, in the Mecklenburg County area down in Charlotte, which at the time was just blowing up, expanding. Um, and we always kind of had the idea in the back of our heads, like the passion was there for Sam. He had been home brewing for years, had the opportunity to work for um, old Mecklenburg brewery and then on to triple C brewing company and had, um, just, we had those two breweries alone are just completely different breweries, but amazing breweries to, to be able to see like from the business standpoint. So we had seen a very large scale brewery operation. And at the time, triple C was kind of a smaller scale. Um, and so we just thought to ourselves, like, this is something that Sam was definitely most passionate about the brewing side and the business side always interested me. So we, um, called myself the bartending lawyer for like two years. So I would leave my firm and go and bartend on Thursdays just to get like an idea of like what it looked like, right. From like a, from a tap room standpoint. Um, and then we just kind of like, were very open with, um, Sam's boss there always like this was a dream of ours and it would probably be West Virginia. So he was always good about kind of letting us look from the business standpoint. And so when we had our first daughter, Willa, um, we knew at that time it was time to be closer to family. And so we looked at properties in all over Southern West Virginia and then Cool Ridge just made sense because my parents were pretty close. Um, 
And we just had like one of those aha moments when we visited the property, um, which is now weathered ground in Coolridge. So it kind of came full circle um, in 2016. And that's when we started the build out. So that was kind of how we we got started into the brewing world. Very, very cool. That That's that's a good beginning. And and obviously we're, we're thrilled that you made the decision to come to West Virginia. Um, so Jana, talk about how the decision was made for you in Dallas to open a brewery in Terra Alta, West Virginia. So I'll kind of start towards the beginning. Um, you know, I feel like Terra Alta kind of found us more than we found it, but um, it was actually Dallas and I's first date that he told me he was going to open a brewery and you could probably hear my eyes roll. I'm thinking, Oh, um, but it didn't take me too long to realize that he was being pretty serious about it. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we, uh, over the, over the years, he developed a business plan and we kind of got all that done. And then once we were, um, you know, in the market for opening, we essentially looked around Kingwood, which is kind of where we're from Kingwood, West Virginia. And there wasn't, you know, we had an idea of what we wanted, beer garden, we wanted space, we wanted parking. So there wasn't really anything in the city limits that kind of met those needs. So, um, you know, we just happened upon this building up in Terra Alta that used to be a car shop and junk space and all of the above. Um, And one of the biggest things was it had three phase power. So, you know, as most people know, that's a pretty huge expense um, if you don't have that available. So it already had it. It was a, you know, it was a solid building, you know, so it kind of, it just kind of fell into our lap. Um, So that's kind of how we ended up up there. That's a good story. Happy to hear that. Um, Well, now that you, you're both here and established, obviously at your respective breweries, Think back to when it all started. Um, how receptive has the West West Virginia brewery family as a whole been in terms of working with you? For example, if you, or maybe you haven't, but if you did reach out at some point to either other breweries or brewers with questions, something brewery related or business related, how was the response? And uh, Jana, I'll, I'll have you answer this one first. Sure. So, um, you know, it was, it was a huge help reaching out. So I'm glad we did that because we thought about it and we're like, oh, you know, how many questions can we have? And apparently you can have a lot of questions when you open a brewery. So, um, you know, at the time, the people that kind of come to mind is Roger Johnson from Screech Owl. Mm-hmm. Um, he's local. So we were able to kind of get, you know, his input on the local craft scene and kind of, you know, what his wishes were that he did or didn't do because I think that's a big thing with a lot of uh, a lot of people that have already done it you learn oh sure sure um and then you know also like I like I was telling you earlier Aaron Sam Malzi from Big Timber um, he was a huge help um when it comes to you know the day-to-day operations and um you know then of course short story they have um the same brew house that we do so we were able to kind of get from them, um, what they thought of alpha and their customer service. And like, those are things that you don't really get insight on unless you have someone nice enough, like, you know, like Aaron and those guys to kind of show you that. Um, so it was nothing but receptive when it comes to, you know, asking for help and and getting it, even if it was just a word of advice, you know? Yeah. And multiple sources. So that that's great to hear. Um, what about you, Aaron? How, how, how did that work, you know, in terms of you and Sam? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny that Jana says that. I mean, Sam Mosey was like our flagship 
guy from the beginning for a lot of reasons, really. I mean, from the brewing industry standpoint, so Sam, like I said, had worked previously at two very different breweries um, and he had, knew, he had known the equipment that he he loved. So we had brought in specific mechanical equipment um, that he was like pretty well versed on. So like the brewing side for Sam was like always kind of locked in, but it was like the business side for us. Like what's the market look like? What's the distributorships look like? Like, you know, we were always going to self-distribute. Like what was that going to look like for us compared to if we eventually went with the distributor, just all of those things. Those were like the scary things in a business plan because you have no predictability, unlike where we were coming from a massive market where you could have 250 accounts in one county. <laughs> right, um, right. You can't have 250 accounts. I don't think if you even traveled like, you know, majority of the state for us. So um that those were like all the things that we had to then decide like with self-distributorship. So that was that was really helpful. But I think all in all, I just think as a brewery culture, it's it's very normal for the arms to be wide open and for people to say like this worked for me, this didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I felt like everyone was really good about that. Also, too, like West Virginia was such a crazy market at the time. I mean, it still is. It's still so small. So right. it's like you had all of these people that. You, we had people in the brewing industry outside of West Virginia we could tap into, but it was like really cool that you were almost like trailblazing yourself too, right? Because there was only so many breweries and and they and they did that, you know, they did trailblaze for us, but there was there was this idea of like, well, maybe we'll try and see what this works. And if it doesn't work, and I mean, I guess that was kind of scary at the same time, but um yeah, I don't know. I think it was always open arms. Everyone wanted to help. People were excited that the business was coming into the state. I think you kind of see that everywhere in the brewing industry, though. Yeah, I, I certainly would agree with that. I, you know, I've been involved with this um, with West Virginia Beer Road since 2019, and certainly got gotten to interview and talk with a lot of people. And I, I've never heard anything but positive things regarding our West Virginia brewing family as a whole. And yeah. so I'm really happy from both of your all's perspectives to get that feedback. And I didn't expect anything less, but but that's positive, and and growth is good for our state. So um, yeah, and I would say too, like. I think Jana, probably you as well. Like I welcome it so much now when people that are coming into the brewing industry in West Virginia reach out to us for like consulting, because to me, it's, it's awesome that we still have people wanting to reinvest in the state. And, and it's great that we can then like return that knowledge on to other people. So I just think it shows that like, it just continues. Yeah. Jana, do you want to respond to that? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's absolutely correct. I mean, nothing, you know, excites us more than, you know, being at a, you know, a festival or something. And um, I know Clendenin kind of comes to mind, but, um, you know, they were saying, oh, you know, we're going to start a brewery. Is there anything like that you guys would suggest, you know, and it's like, it's just so awesome to be able to kind of pass on some knowledge and, you know, things that we've learned along the way, just in hopes to like help the next, I'm going to call it a generation, you know, just, mm-hmm. just for lack of a better term, but, you know, for the newer ones opening, I mean, nothing, nothing is better than all the breweries succeeding because that means that, you know, each of us does better. So there's, there's never been like this competition vibe that I would get from anybody like withholding information or, 
you know, anything like that. So, um, but yeah, if one of us grows, we all grow. So that's been, that's been a huge part of this, I think. Absolutely. And well said. Um, well, let's move along. Uh, certainly the roles that both of you have now compared to when you began have changed as you've navigated the business. Um, so what has been one of the biggest changes for you in terms of how it started versus where you are now? And Jana, I'll let you go ahead and answer that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's been better. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if Aaron can say that too, but at the beginning, it just felt like we lived and breathed high ground, um, I'm sure. you know, just to get it off the ground. But mm-hmm. as the years have gone on, we've, you know, gathered a phenomenal group of employees that, mm-hmm. you know, have taken the reins when it comes to the day-to-day operations in the tap room and in the brewery. Um, I know Sam is, you know, more involved now, obviously, than, um, than DJ is with the brewing. Um, so, just because he has a, that full-time job, but, um, with having Austin and Jack on board doing all of our brewing, um, you know, they've been phenomenal. It kind of takes that, that role off of his plate. And then when it comes to me, I was you know, in the tap room all the time. I was bartending at the beginning. Um, and now that we've had wonderful, you know, we have current, uh, tap room manager Mitchell and then our assistant tap room manager is George, but all the employees we've had from, you know, from Kai initially, and then Trish, um, the managers have just taken all that off my plate when it comes to, you know, making sure our customers are happy and like, you know, managing events on the ground when I can't be there. Um, so I think growing our family, you know, at the brewery itself has been a huge relief, at least to my role. So understandable. Absolutely. Uh, what, what about you, Erin? How, how do you feel like, uh, your role has changed now compared to when it, when you started? Yeah, I, I agree with Jana. I think that, I think when you first start out, it's it's your baby. It's like everything to you. You are the one that like, you want to be the one talking to every single customer that walks in and you want that experience to be so special to them. And, and I remember like in the early days, like I'd have one baby strapped on the front and one on the back and like, just there <laughs> people to like see our faces because we were so honored that people would drive to Coolridge just to like try our beer. It was like mind blowing to us. Um, and yeah, that, that grows as your family grows. Like we're a strong team of 20 now, almost including all of our part-time, uh, bartenders and whatnot. So yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, um, Aaron and Charles both know that like Anthony pretty much took over our brewing a couple years ago. So mm-hmm. Anthony's our head brewer now. Um, and we've given him like a lot of creative, creative outlet. Right. So he pretty much comes to us and says like, this is what I'm brewing now, you know, like, um, unless we give him the big X, like he's moving forward. <laughs> with so, um, that's been f- phenomenal because I also think that it gives him purpose, right? Like he gets sure, to not just sure. over and over again. Um, and then we've hired, you know, like Bobby's been with us from the beginning with sales, but, um, and managed that and Terry and Chris, the downstairs production, like it's just taken a lot off Sam's, um, plate when it comes to that. Sam can now focus on, uh, kind of new endeavors that we want to do out of the tap room. Um, and distro. And then for me, like, well, I've been like a, a roller coaster for the last year, but I, I did. It, it allowed me by hiring people to do my job. I obviously re-entered into the legal world as well. So like I'm doing another outside of the brewery job, which I didn't really see that happening, you know, for um, the foreseeable future. So that was exciting. And, um, but I think the biggest thing that I would tell people now is I've been able to 
let go of that idea of it being like our baby. And I also think that it took six years to get it into my head that hiring other people to do things well does well for your wonders. Yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, you think you can manage it all. You think you can do it all. And then you start like carrying out these tasks and it's like, oh, wow. Like Mandy really is going to do better at events than I do. Like, you know, it's like this ego crush, but you're like, man, like I really should have done this three years ago. So, no, and that, that's actually one of kind of my later questions. So we'll get into that a little bit more, um, a little bit later in the podcast, but I, I certainly can understand that from your perspective as an owner, I, you know, it would be hard for both of you, you know, being hands-on like that to then suddenly say, oh, okay somebody else can do this really well and, you know, maybe have more focus because that's what they're focusing on and only what they're focusing on. Um, so I get that from your perspective for sure. Yeah. Well, um, it, as far as along the way and how things have changed, um, and, and I'll direct this for first to you, Aaron, is there anything that you wish you would have maybe done a little bit differently, so to speak? You know, they always say hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, is there something that kind of stands out in your rearview mirror or, or not? I mean, if it, if not, that's fine too, but <laughs> yeah, no, I think we, we always say it's crazy, but like the pandemic taught us so much, you know, like we would have oh, yeah. started tanning we should have started canning in 2017 when we opened period. Like that should not have even not been a discussion. It's wild to me to think now that that wasn't like one of the first things we jumped on. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, like hindsight 2020 for sure. The canning would have started sooner. Um, And it was so fun because like you get to incorporate local artists and you get to incorporate all these things into your label and you see it all over the market. And it's like different than a draft beer, right? Because it's like, it's this whole association with your brand and your product. Oh, sure. So that for sure. And then I think, honestly, for anyone, I think in the right now, still, I would probably stand in the West Virginia craft beer market. If you have a tap room, if someone came to me today asking like what I would have done differently on the tap room side would have been the kitchen earlier. The kitchen is a nightmare sometimes, right? Because it's just a lot to manage. But for our location, it was like a necessity. Like Mm -hmm. people were going to drive 30 minutes out to the middle of nowhere. And I think we should have jived with the food menu sooner. But like you learn that along the way. And like we wanted the beer to be perfected before we tried it to perfect anything else. Oh, sure. Um, but those are the two things that immediately pop out to me. I think that's like when we saw a change of trajectory for the tap room and outside sales was hands and food for us. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jana? If if you had something that, you know, is in your rearview mirror that you think, oh man, I wish we could have changed this up. How would you respond to that? Um, I mean, Aaron took the words right out of my mouth with canning. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure know, we're thinking, you know, looking at it, what, three and a half, almost four years from COVID. Um, you know, we're like, why did we not do this? We were, <laughs> you know, we were so silly. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just, it, all it does is, you know, benefit you on, you know, distribution and it also brings people to your tap room. Um, so definitely I, I agree with the, with the canning sooner aspect. Um and uh, I think <clears throat> this is just my personal thought. I don't know what DJ would say, but um, I wish I would have given given myself some more grace along the way because, you know, you just like Aaron said, you know, this is your baby. So, you know, you know, this 
business years before it comes to the market. So sure. you're so passionate about it and you love it. And then, you know, you open and, you know, you're like, why isn't everybody not on board immediately? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> why, why doesn't everybody love this? Um, but, you know, I, I've learned to, you know, let things happen naturally um, and let the product speak for itself and, you know, what you stand for speak for itself. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, putting less stress on myself along the way is probably my, uh, my biggest regret, but. I mean, that makes sense. I, I, I could certainly see that of myself if I were in your position. So understand, um, moving along, I, you know, I'd imagine that not everybody agrees on everything all the time. So what are some of the challenges of working with the other owners of your respective breweries? Um, Jana, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and start with that answer. Sure. Um, so technically, you know, me and DJ are the only owners, so we don't have any, um, you know, angel investors or, you know, anybody that, you know, we have to kind of bounce things off of. So, um, but the good thing is, I mean, we generally have a very similar you know, ask our similar perspective on, you know, kind of what we want this business to be and mm -hmm. um, how we want it to be portrayed. So there's no, not really a whole lot of disagreements when it comes to, or, you know, um, things we have to discuss when it comes to come to that. But, you know, I've found that, you know, along with having wonderful people, you know, managing different aspects, you also have to make sure you incorporate them. So we kind of see of that, course, yeah. Members, you know, um, so whenever we need something in the tap room, we have to make sure Mitchell's involved and make sure he's good with it. And then also absorb his ideas as well. Um, you know, because he's there, you know, and same with Austin and Jack, you know, they, they kind of have reins when it comes to brewing. Sure. We have some original recipes, you know, from, from the uh, garage. Um, but, uh, you know, they've, they've come up with so many and, you know, getting everybody to be on the same page is, you know, a huge thing, even though they're not owners, we still respect them. And as, you know, as owners, as, you know, partners, um, sure. Yeah. You want them to feel involved. Absolutely. And, you know, nothing, nothing makes an environment more stressful than, you know, whenever people are at each other's throat. So making sure everybody's on the same page is like, is huge for us, but, you know, from an owning standpoint, you know, we, we don't really have a whole lot of, you know, issues there. How, how about yourself, Erin, uh, as far as getting owners to agree on things, how, how would you respond to that? Um, I think we should get t-shirts made that just say, ask Erin Jane, because um, <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty much. No, I, I mean, it's, it's bizarre. Like we run and parent, I mean, Jana and Dallas are the same way. You own a business. 24 hours a day, seven days a week with your significant other. My father is involved. So that adds like a different tier to us as well. More from the standpoint of just like everyone good with like this production date or everyone good with like this being released for like this special branding moment or whatever you like you want those moments of like can everyone be here like when we go to do the collab with like so and so like those are the minor things but for me the thing that pops out the most is just um from the beginning, it was like very clear that if it had to do something with downstairs, like Sam was going to make the call. Of course, we'd talk about it, but like that's like where his expertise was. And he knew production, he knew distro, and he knew recipes, and he knew brewing, and he knew this all the things for there. And then right. it was like from the business standpoint, it was like 
you handle it, right? Like, you know, the numbers, you know, the things you make the orders, you check the inventory, like we're going to go that way. And it's, it's nice because when you work with someone all day, every day, you co-parent with that person all day, every day, like you do all the things that you kind of, it's nice to like, say like, no, you're going to take that aspect and I'm going to take this aspect. And at the end of the day, if there's like a big issue, then, you know, we'll come together. And like today is a perfect example. He came to me with like, six different glass ideas for like taproom glassware. And I'm like, I love that about you. I love that you're like so hardcore about like Sam's very like picky about what people drink things out of. And I love that about him, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, it's almost ski season. And unfortunately, like we lose a lot of glassware during ski season um, for a lot of different reasons. It gets broke. There's a lot going on. There's, it's like, we just lose a lot. And so I'm like, maybe not the best business decision, right? Before like (laughs) the holidays and all the things, but he loves the idea. But he needs a cold glass, Aaron. He needs a cold glass. Like, Jana, I'm saying it. And he's like, Aaron, this is what I'm saying. This is what you should be drinking a Saison out of. And I'm like, babe, I love that you love that. But no, at the end of the day, I think like just knowing our parts, has always been very integral for us that like we understand it. And then at the end of the day, like the big decisions, obviously, right? Like that's, we sit down, we make those calls. But I think after six years, we've kind of figured out <laughs> when the yeah, shots that, are going to Well, sure, sure. I mean, that's great. I love it. Um, so this this um, is a little, little different question. Um, what is it like from your perspective being involved in what is typically a male-dominated business? And Aaron, I'd like you to take that first. Yeah, sure. Um, so I kind of love it because I feel like we just come with a different perspective on a lot of things, right? So there is like some finesse to some things that I think otherwise Sam would not not see, especially when it comes to the tap room and events and things like that. But I love it. Like I love when we go to festivals and people shake my hand and Sam's hand. You know what I mean? Like they understand that we are both team players in this. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be happening without both of us. I've never felt like they've gone to Sam and like put me to the side. Like that's good. I feel Yeah, I feel that from the beginning, it was very clearly established that it was both of us like working our tails off for this. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, and Jana, I hope you've had the same experience for the most part. Like, I feel like when people are there at the tap room or we see them out at festivals or distro, like people very much respect that this was something that Sam and I both dove into together Mm -hmm. um, and that we've both worked really hard towards it. I think even when we've done like collaborations with other breweries, like it's always been like a very like respectable thing that they understand like Sam and I are both going to be there on brew day. We're both like picking ingredients for brew day. We're like have very much like uh, both going to say what the branding is going to be and the image is going to be and the marketing is going to be on it. Like, I don't feel like I've ever felt like, you're a female in the male dominated brewing world. I do say that though, with the sense that I think West West Virginia is still very much like on the wave of growing Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. brewing industry. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty cool for people like Jana and I that are like on that beginning wave of that surgence. Cause I don't know what's going to happen in the next 20 years, but I would say like, I'm not sure it would be that same way if we were in a bigger area, a bigger brewing Mm -hmm. area that was maybe well-established, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think we live in a really cool time and a really like, 
an amazing time for females to like put our foot in the ground and show that there is a lot. Oh, absolutely. And the brewing industry in the state of West Virginia. So yeah, no, I've never, I've never felt like to personally. And like, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I have like kind of the, a, a bigger personality that like, I don't know, wouldn't, I would put my hand out there either way. And like, you're shaking it and we're going, but I don't know. I, I have not felt that. And I'm so grateful that I have not felt that. I'm glad to hear that. I am very much glad to hear that. Um, so, so Jana, what about your perspective as far as being involved in what's typically a male dominated industry? How, how do you feel about how that's been received on, from, from yourself? Yeah. I mean, I've never, I, I, it's hard to answer that question because I've never really like even thought about it. Everybody has been so welcoming and, you know, even if, you know, I'm not, you know, any, you know, I don't have any involvement with the brewing, you know, so that the same thing goes with a lot of, you know, partners of the brewers, you know, so even when we're at a festival, if I can't talk the ins and outs of brewing with people, you know, that I got their wife next to them that I can, you know, kind of talk to about, about what events are coming up and like bounce ideas off of them. So, um, you know, I've never, I've never like even thought about, you know, thought about there being any differences there because, you know, everybody hasn't been so wonderful. And I feel like in general, the um, female role in brewing has grown substantially. I mean, even with Screech Owl, their head brewer is a female. Um, So, you know, I feel like we're in a really great, um, just like Aaron said, we're kind of in this great, like beginning stages of, you know, this, you know, kind of female um, empowerment, you know, in the brewing industry. So, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been very welcoming. I haven't, uh, I, I don't have any, any complaints on, on that front. Well, I'm happy to hear that. And I, I hope it continues here in West Virginia because it's important. Um, well, I believe both of you have jobs outside of being involved with a brewery, not to mention raising a family at the same time. How do you work out balancing your time between your job, the brewery and your family? Um, Jana, I'd like you to start, please. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, prioritizing, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, you're, you're one person, so you, you know, you have your own needs like sleeping, eating, you know, all that, all those, <laughs> those are important. Right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've always kind of, you know, made it a rule that, you know, my family comes first and that's just kind of how, how it is. Um, so, you know, I always try to prioritize, you know, my, my son's, um, activities in our home life. Um, and then, you know, again, with, uh, with having employees that have taken the roles over, um, in the tap room, cause I used to be there almost every day. Um, but having them, you know, kind of on my side is, has been huge when it comes to letting me kind of back off, um, you know, those, those roles, I still do all like the event planning and food truck scheduling and stuff like that. So, you know, I still have that, have that role. Um, but, uh, you know, and then of course DJ has his full-time job too. So it's not only balancing the brewery family and my job. Um, you know, I have to excuse you to spend time with him sometimes. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you, you need to, to see each other occasionally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have to kind of throw his schedule in there too. Yeah. So, you know, between festivals and, you know, he has a drill with being, you know, being in the national guard and, you know, in my, and with my job in the emergency department, you know, I'm working 12 hour days and on weekends and holidays. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of give and take, um, you know, and a lot of just, you know, letting things go and, you know, moving on to the next day kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, prioritizing has been, 
been a huge, huge help. What about yourself, Erin? How, how are you balancing all of that with your time in the, at the brewery, your outside job and raising your daughters? Yeah, I, um, I think like probably in the last six to eight months, my, like the, the, the quote that comes to mind is like, put your mask on before assisting others. So like, for me, it was like this realization of like, you got to put, the work in where it's going to make me feel better to then be a better business owner, a better mother, a better partner, all the things. Um, and so prioritizing for sure. One of the things I think for me was like letting things go and hiring other people like we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. um, because like I didn't want to spend the money to hire other people, but then I realized like tenfold that our events were going to be better and bring more people in and then generate more money. So then that made sense. And that person's payroll was paid for because the event was better and it brought people in. So it was like almost like swallowing pride, which was really hard for me to do, um, to realize like, and wake up and say, you have three kids under seven, you work another business, you have the brewery, like you can't do everything. And it, and it was really hard for me to swallow pride. Sure. I'm like a very full person. And I thought like, no, I've got this under control. And then I realized like I was getting sick all the time and I was like feeling just like not myself and all the things. And, you know, someone looked at me like, I think three or four times in a month and was like, you just look like really worn out, like just really. And I'm like, you shouldn't get to that point, right? Like you gotta, you do have to balance it. So I would say, I don't think that I really balanced it until six months ago, you know, like when I decided to take that stance and figure it out a little bit better and ask for help and not be prideful and and all the things. So trying to be um, more balanced for me is asking for help, which doesn't come easy for me, but I'm working on it. So, well, that's good. And that doesn't come easy for a lot of people. And I, I, for me in particular, I'm very much that way as well. So I understand that struggle, but I, I'm glad to hear that both of you are able to do the juggling that you've got to do for your personal business and work and everything else that's involved. So we all reap yeah. the benefits of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, as, as far as brewing itself goes, um, obviously we've talked about that a little bit. Um, so Erin, I'm going to ask you this first. Um, have you, I, I'm pretty sure you have, but you've been involved with brewing with, with Sam and, or um, if you've done some sort of uh, collaboration or et cetera, you've brewed yourself? Yeah. I mean, from the beginning, um, I mean, I was always interested in what was going on downstairs, you know, mainly because in the beginning it was like me and Sam and Anthony and Bobby, right? Like, I think that was it. (laughs) And at that time, Anthony was like on learning, uh, and Sam was trying to teach him. And then I'm like over there scattering, trying to figure out like, production or what we're doing next or like I don't know helping Bobby get accounts or something it was just a disaster like I'm Jana probably felt the same way you just literally like don't know what you're doing and you're just like I'm gonna help whatever way I can now I would love still to this point um to still this day to be way more involved in the brewing process um like physically brewing. I mean, like I would love to be able to get down there more often, but yeah, we've done some collaborations with uh, some of our buddies from North Carolina and some of the breweries um, in the state. I think Dallas and Sam have only been talking for like two years about a collaboration. So hopefully we'll get there at some point. Um, But uh, yeah, I I do enjoy it. um, And I, I like to try to be involved in it for collaborations because from the marketing standpoint for me, I'm usually the one talking about the beer and the collabs. 
um, especially if we do like an event for it and then I'm, I'm the one put on the spot. So I do like to be involved in it. Um, I wish I could brew on, be on the brew stand more when we do AJ's, which is my beer, the fest beer. I always try to brew and, uh, mash in with Anthony that uh, on those mornings when we brew that beer, um, our, uh, it's, it's our October fest beer, um, our mm-hmm. Mars in, but, um, yeah, I would love to be heavily involved. I mean, uh, we had a female brewer that in the Charlotte area that actually lives in Fayetteville, West Virginia now. So she works for, oh. um, yeah, she, so she moved up. She was uh, the head brewer for a Legion Brewing Company down in Charlotte. And she's like this Alexa Long. She's amazing. She's like this tiny muscular little thing. Like I never realized how she was like throwing grain bags left and right and just like managing. Um, but she was always just like someone I looked up to um, that really like held her own in a very male dominated brewing industry, like in Charlotte. So, um, one day I would love to like bring her in. She doesn't, uh, brew anymore. She actually is like the East coast sales rep for, um, Hollingberry and sons, which is a hop company now. Mm -hmm. Um, and she just like spends her life rock climbing, which I love, but, uh, I think it's super, super cool to be like vested in it. And I wish I could do it more often. So yes, that is one of my long-term goals. Like get back on the brew stand, get in the brew stand. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you, Jana? Have you have you gotten involved and gotten your hands wet, so to speak, as far as brewing goes with your husband or and with anyone? So, I mean, you know, the curiosity is there for sure. But like my role in brewing is like bringing the donuts in the morning. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty hands off when it comes to you know, doing any of the actual, um, you know, the actual brewing, but I, you know, I'm, I'm to a point where I can kind of understand the process, which is, you know, huge. Um, cause you know, coming from a place I didn't even, I didn't even drink beer before I met, before I met Dallas. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. 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 That was a wine girl. Um, so, you know, it was definitely a learning curve for me, but, um, you know, I'm pretty hands off with all of that, but, uh, you know, like Aaron said, I like to like to be a little bit involved in, the collaborations because, you know, I have to kind of advertise that and, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page with labels and ingredients and all that stuff. So, you know, I do have some minimal roles there, but, um, but, you know, when it comes to the beer itself, I'm, you know, a taste tester mostly. So. That's not a bad role to have. That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, um, what is some advice that if you'd have to share with any of our listeners that are thinking of opening a craft brewery, or maybe they or their partner think they would like to become a brewer, uh, what advice would you have for them, Jana? So I think my biggest advice, at least from my role, has been just to be supportive um, because they're going to need a shoulder to cry on, literally and figuratively, um, you know, and just be like that sounding board and you know, kind of, you know, essentially just, you know, help them on, you know, the home front and, you know, making sure that they're okay. You know, that's been my, my biggest role, I think, whenever it comes to, you know, the day-to-day stuff that he has to go through. Um, and then also even just the, the startup. I mean, I was just there to, you know, kind of bounce some stuff off of or, you know, um, but uh, I think that that was a huge help to him because that's, you know, that was kind of my limit because I wasn't involved in a lot of the financial, you know, parts of it and the actual like, um, or, you know, design of the brew house. Like, you know, I just, I wasn't involved. So that was kind of what my role was. So sure. I would say anybody getting into it for sure. Just, you know, just be Have there. some support. Exactly. Have some support. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about you, Aaron? What, what would your advice be if, if 
somebody wants to start up a craft brewery or wants to become a brewer? Uh, from the craft brewery standpoint, I mean, I would say like super specific, like know what you're aiming for, know your brew system, know how you want to, what brew system you want, how big you want it, and how many barrels you want to produce a year, like what market you're going to, are you in a field in Coolridge, are you in Charleston, Huntington, is it walkable, um, like knowing all the specifics, are you going to use a distributor, are you going to self-distribute, what that looks like to you, how you're going to get there, um, like very specific, you know, like you need to know homework. He really do your homework. Yeah, and it depends on all of that, right? Your licensing depends on that, how many employees you have, what you've got to do for distro, uh, read the contracts. You're going to sign with the distributor, make sure you understand what you're signing with. You know, like a lot of homework goes into that side. From the brewing standpoint, I mean, I think Sam was just a one-off. I mean, sounds like Dallas too, like they were into the home brewing industry and he got really lucky getting involved with some great breweries in Charlotte. But, you know, like Sam's passion for it lies deep. And I think if he was on this call right now, the number one thing he would say is like, know how to sanitize and keep keep your stuff clean. Like mm -hmm. he's like psycho mm -hmm. about it. It has everything to do with quality control. Um, mm -hmm. So like understanding the process, why you're doing it, um, and really like, you know, finding and also finding what you're passionate about. Like we have always said that from the beginning, like we weren't going to brew the same beers because Sam did that for a long time and he wanted to have adventure. Right. But like that also can hurt us in the market sometimes because sure. a lot of accounts don't want to pick us up because they print their menus and they don't want to have to change what they print every month, you know? So <laughs> we lose a lot of accounts because we can't offer the same logger every month. So I don't know, just knowing like what that vision, that dream, that passion looks like for you and being really really specific like on that business plan down to the yeah to the very last bit of it um and reaching out I don't know there's like Jana and I are here like so many people in the brewing industry would love to sure we're willing to help yeah do you um do you have a specific uh style of beer Aaron that is your your preference or are you uh, are you open to all no I I am open to all um I would say, uh, like if I, like a go-to for me, um, you know, from the beginning, Sam and I both kind of had a passion for saisons and farmhouse sales. We just thought that the challenge behind them were super interesting. And, um, the flavor was like very acquired for me. I think probably the first true farmhouse saison I had, I like, you know, I, I wasn't big in it. Um, and now <laughs> I think, yeah, but now it's like I think about the processes that go into it and um, anything that I know like maybe took time or was more meticulous or perhaps like sat for a while, whether that's bourbon barrel aged something or whether it was like, you know, done by a cool ship or something like super intriguing, um, like those type of beers make me think and make me wonder. So I always try to lean on the, on the menu and try to find something that may have taken a little bit of um, time and thought and process mm -hmm. behind it. It's intriguing to me. How about yourself, Jana? Is there a particular style that you prefer or are you sort of open to the, the whole wheelhouse of styles? Um, you know, I've always been a sour fan. That's just kind of been, just like I said before, I was kind of more into wine initially. So that kind of was like my little, little bit of a bridge to, to drinking beer, but I've kind of done a 180 and I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of really loggers of any kind, because mm. just like Aaron said, like you can, you know, once you're, once you actually understand what goes into making a quality, clean, 
crisp lager, you appreciate it so much more than, you know, some of these sours or IPAs that, you know, um, you can do a lot of covering up of things. But with lagers, I feel like that just such that just shows the quality of a brewery and the absolutely. Brewery. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan. Like the Woodsman's my favorite beer that we make, which is our our Munich Dunkel. Um, and uh, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely definitely a definitely more of a lager fan at this point in my life. So very good. Well, uh, this uh, this pretty much wraps up the interview questions that I had for both of our guests here this evening, and we'll bring our podcast to a close. So another West Virginia Beer Roads podcast um, is wrapping up. And again, thank you to our guests, uh, Jana Wolf of High Ground Brewing out of Terra Alta, West Virginia, and Aaron Fonda with Weathered Ground Brewery out of Coolridge, West Virginia. So thank you both for taking the time to talk with me this evening. It's, it's been a wonderful discussion. Absolutely. My pleasure, Aaron and Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Always yeah. love chatting. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.